Today at Rockstar, we work with investors who buy all sorts of properties, uh, straight rental properties, either single family homes or condos, student rental properties, properties that they turn from single family rental into a legal second suite or like a duplex and increase the cash flow on, on those. Multi-unit buildings, so anything from like a fourplex, a fiveplex, a sixplex, you know, 18 units, whatever that may be in all different communities right across the Toronto area. But it all started with one of the least understood investing strategies even until this to this day which was rent to own investing and on this episode Nick and I break down over 10 a decade of experience on rent to own investing and working with investors we've done well over a thousand we think it's closer to 2,000 of these uh, but we haven't run the numbers recently uh, and we've done them in communities right across Toronto all over the Ontario area specifically the greater Golden Horseshoe so I think in this episode, hopefully you find um, some of maybe the misconceptions of rent-to-own investing exposed, some of the lessons we went through when we started with this. Uh, no lawyers understood it. No bankers understood it. People thought we were crazy. But it's turned out to be a really good investing strategy even to this day. So uh, with that, let's get started. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so we are live. Nick, when did we do the first rent to own? It was 2006? Yeah, I think it was 2006. I, I heard about it. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you did too, but for a few, I think a few years before that, but it was always lease with the option to buy. It was never rent to own. That you know, was the first, that was the yeah, first big breakthrough for us at least. Yeah. What do you mean? Not advertising with lease with the, to the, with the option to yeah, buy? Yeah. Cause people were like, well, what the hell is that? Yeah. yeah. Right. No one, under, no one under like, they, they, what is lease with the option to buy? I thought that was really clear though. Well, it is, but people didn't, it, it, the response that that generated versus rent to own was zero. Well, I mean, it was different. Yeah, it was, you know, it wasn't even close. And, you know, the, where where I heard about it first was like, I think, eight years before that when I took one of those boot camps. Uh, you know that you spend like $8,000 to go to two days to learn how to become a millionaire. You know, because yeah. I, yeah, I know yeah. you've been to them. Um, and it was taught as sandwich lease options, as a way to invest in real estate with no money at all. And what you were taught to do was you called... How did it go? You called landlords and you said, hey, can I lease a property? Can I lease your property with the right to sub? No, can I lease your property and I will also want an option to buy your property after the lease and I want the right to sublease it too. And if they agreed to all that, which is a miracle in and of itself, you then went and advertised the property to someone else to lease with the option to buy it from you. So you were like this middleman and then you rented out the property. So if you managed to negotiate from the landlord to rent it out for $1,500 a month, you rented it out for like $1,900 a month and you made $400 a month in cash flow with none of, you know, no money down because you didn't buy a property. You're just the middleman here. And you sold the property to this person higher than you agreed to buy the property at the end of the lease. Um, and I thought it was this brilliant way to do real estate investing and I thought it was going to save the world. And then I remember trying it and so many legal difficulties and to convince a landlord to do just, it was a, it was a disaster. Well, I think a lot of people started doing it. They didn't ask the landlord for the right to sublease that. That was the first thing that happened. Right. Yeah. And I know in the States, a lot of States actually outlawed that practice. Yeah. Oh, it, it became, I mean, yeah, it became illegal a number of years ago. I don't know if that changed that updated again, 
But when they were going through, was it the housing crisis when they went through the recent one, like the financial crisis then? I remember at one point in the not too not too distant past that that some states had 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 made it illegal. Texas comes to mind. I could be wrong. Though. Yeah, you're like, right. I remember that. seeing that. I don't remember where either. Yeah, because there was all sorts of problems with doing people doing. Cra- it's like anything. You give people an inch, to take a mile, right? It just gets totally. People do all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff. Blown out of proportion. Okay, so the simple way, the reason, and I just want to start with the reason that we were even interested in rent to own to begin with, or I remember a conversation having in my own head. I don't know if I had it with you or not. You well, you go ahead. I'll let you finish. Was, I'll tell uh, you what came to mind for me was uh, just to try to get a little bit more money up. For, like I remember when we were flipping properties, you're we like, okay, I can see this payday at the end, but with straight rentals, it was like this long term gain. And when you're younger, trying to make money. You, it seems like you know five or ten years sounds like an eternity to get a return. And you then, put way more thought into it than I did. Oh yeah, no, I was I always kind of overanalyze things. I was mine was pure greed. I remember I I had this report that there were, I'll never forget. Well, here look, the report was sitting in a drawer in the bathroom of our parents' house for a long time because it was there to read and it never got read. And I remember seeing this report there for so long, and finally I read this report. And it was this, about this thing called lease options. I didn't know what, I'm like, what the heck is this lease options? I couldn't even understand Who put the it. report there? Me? I for, no, oh, no, no, it was something I got when I went to one of those boot camps. Oh, and you left it there yeah, by the toilet. Yeah, or no, actually, it was something I researched because I think the internet had still existed back then. I'm getting old, so I don't know. But remember, you had to dial up. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd yeah. mimic the modem sounds, but I couldn't. But you would dial up, and I could actually research a couple things. And I, I saw this thing called, um, it was about lease options and how much money was made in lease options. And I, I didn't understand them. I'm like, well, there's all this money. And I, I, I saw this couple of places. There's all this money made in lease options. Then it must be the next best thing. So I finally got around to, to reading it after all this dust was on the report, after it had been there for probably years. I don't know. And um, yeah, and then that piqued my interest. I don't think I ever did anything with it until that point. I mean, it, probably until after you took that maybe what you kind of... I took like a, I think I took a two day weekend course on lease yeah. options after another course I'd spent money on. And then maybe that's what triggered my interest again, because I, I don't think I, I didn't, definitely didn't do anything with it. But that was that when, you know, when you brought that up again, I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I remember I read that report. And that's like real estate riches was lease options. Right. <laughs> you know, so we so can th- get rich with real estate. <laughs> but uh, but the thing that really intrigued me was that instead of a straight rental, you instead of getting first and last month's just by itself because in on you know in Canada and Ontario you're going to get first and last month's rent with a lease option you could possibly get this like option money and maybe it was going to be like five thousand ten thousand dollars extra really early on in the life cycle ownership of the property and I thought oh my god that's kind of brilliant you get first and last month's rent and you get this other money so there's this quick return on your investment and you can use that money to go do other things with and that's kind of was like the big appeal to me but uh, anyway we've learned a lot since those days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, remember the first one? So we the we first went one out was a disaster. And, and did, so we started researching them. That was when the guy ripped me apart and I cried. Yeah. Did you actually cry? I. You know what? I didn't. I when I went upstairs after the guy left because you didn't show up yet to that property, and I went up and I I think I had convinced you to try this strategy, and you agreed, and we bought this property with the sole intent of doing a rent to own. And to us, it was a lot of money to buy a property. Let's face it, we we're in our twenties. Oh yeah, and, uh, and it was a whopping two hundred and twenty thousand. <laughs> I mean, we laugh now because looking back, I think it was, it, it was back, like two twenty four something. But at that time, oh, that was huge. Yeah, that was huge. But but when the guy ripped me apart because I didn't know what I was talking about, um, or actually, you know what? He didn't really know what he was talking about either. Just, I didn't know what was going on. I just went and I I just remember taking a deep breath and 
I don't know if a tear came from my eye, but I felt like it did. And I just thought I had ruined our lives because I bought this property (laughs) and thought we'd do a rent to own on it. And it wasn't really a flip and it wasn't going to be anything else other than this. And uh, I had let us down and I was beating myself up bad. Yeah. Looking back, looking back. I remember because I went, I, I walked in, you looked, you looked pretty beat down. So then, um, mm. but you know what? At the and same like, time, literally, we rented it out later that day or the next day. Yeah, but but at the same time, <laughs> do you remember what we were doing in that property? We did the best yeah. thing ever. Uh, this is oh this my is god! The, here's I, I the number one thing yeah. not to do when you're trying to rent a property quickly, is anyone that came to the property, as they walked in the door, before we would even let them see the property, we made them fill out an application to, to rent, rent to like rent to own it. They, we, we, they we had to fill out the whole application, SIN number, driver's driver's. We didn't license, let them everything. see the property. Yeah. It was awesome. And we got people to do it. All sorts of people. I don't know did why it. people did that. No. But now you know that that was like so on top of that being a huge mistake, it was a huge lesson because we realized we're like, holy cow, you can make people fill out the application form before. That's how much demand there is for this type of stuff. If people are willing to give yeah. you and all the you personal speak information. With conviction in your voice, because we were pretty I think we we were convinced, yes, you fill out this application or you can't see the property. Like yeah. that's like obvious. We thought and we were very smart. Yeah, we thought we were smart and looking back, that was just ridiculous. Wow. But uh, so yeah, we rented out that first property. It, it just in hindsight though, the guy that was that was telling you it was crazy and this rent to own thing was was nuts. The buyout price for that home was probably who knows, like let's say two fifty. Uh, the home yeah, might be time. worth four fifty or five hundred yeah. now. Yeah, he yeah. probably well, he could also qualify to buy a property, and that was the problem. It doesn't make sense. Rent to owns don't make sense for people who are able to qualify to buy with you know, best interest rate financing. Yeah, totally. It doesn't really make sense. And he thought, like, I was trying to convince him that this was better than buying the property, which I wasn't. And just the whole thing just had a down- downward spiral to it. Yeah, but- the, the benefit is it's a bridge to home ownership. The goal is to to deal with the top, you know, whatever, twenty. let's say the top, use the 80-20 rule, the top 20% of the rental market that is looking to make the transition into home ownership and for some reason they still can't do it. Often it's a credit issue, right? Could be down payment. Maybe with their credit they need, you know, a larger down payment than than they have available. Uh, maybe they can only qualify at B lenders for higher interest rates, whatever it may be. But that's ultimately the way we look at it. Is it, it's a bridge for those people and for a number of people. It, they've been ecstatic. Like it's worked out oh, very yeah, very no. well for a large number of people. And the key is for you know is that they have good income. They have good income. I I think. You know, people misunderstand rent to own is that it's it's proper. It, it's for someone who has good income, but temporarily has bad credit for some reason, either yeah. a personal reason or a business reason. But that's basically it. And exchange for accepting them as tenants with bad credit. We we take an option fee or accept an option fee, which goes towards them buying the property at the end of the lease if they so choose. They don't have to. But if they choose, that money then goes towards the down payment of them buying that property. So in exchange yeah. for the bad, bad credit, we get first and last month's rent just like a regular lease. But in exchange for bad credit, we get this option fee right up front. I, I don't think the same stigma is associated with it like it used to be. Because I think it still has a bit of a bad stigma to yeah. it. But when we started, oh my God. people were... Ri- so neighbors, when we put up the, 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 the rent-to-own signs in the yards, we had multiple occasions when neighbors would come and rip the sign out, stole yeah. it. Remember in Oakville? Somebody ripped it out and left us a, just a nasty message. Oh, no, I forget Not that. in my neighborhood you're going to be doing this. Oh, really? Yeah. I forget that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a townhome in Oakville. Did we do it? We did it. Oh, we did. Yeah, now yeah. I remember it. Now I remember that town. It was a nice town home. It was a nice yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently, we, apparently, we were going to do it yeah, in that yeah, neighborhood. Yeah. It worked out well. Um, 
Okay, so, so yeah, that's the key, right? That it, good income, they have to have good income or just like the banks in that way when you do a rent to own, like they must be able to qualify for the monthly payment of the rent. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah and we'll, we'll ask for bank statements or pay stubs or whatever to yeah, try to employment clarify. History, income. Yeah, yeah. We have done ones with people that were contractors and you know they they said they had you know they made a lot of cash um they had cash jobs so they had other income coming in and sometimes we did a little bit of a gut check based on other factors but for the you know the the best practice is definitely we ask for all that stuff credit score and if, if someone has like repeated bankruptcies you know and that's the reason for their, their bad credit then we're not interested in those people we're interested in the people that have like some sort of event in their life maybe it's health maybe it's a, a relationship breakdown you know who maybe it's health of a family member maybe it's a big move who knows what what happens everyone's got different stories but when when they have one big event it's something now if it's a repeated pattern of bad credit and consistent late or bad payments those people we don't want yeah we don't want those or, people or anyone with a judgment on their uh a credit report where yeah. they're i mean that's i know you case always you always use like well, child, you know, child, child care. support like yeah, if someone has child support payments that they're missing and that's on their credit report that just doesn't sit well with me yeah that's probably something i guess this type of stuff uh the child support one, I don't know if that's discrimination or not officially, if we should be able to say that, that we, that's not why we're accepting them. So, but anyways, just so people know, I'm not sure if we can say yeah, that or not, knows. but the bad, the repeated bad credit, we can say, I think. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> everything's like discrimination now. You can't say anything with tenants. I'm scared to ever say a reason why we, why we don't accept someone. How many, do you, uh, just for context, how many rent to owns do you think either us directly or through Rockstar, uh, we've kind of I don't involved. know I lost count I know I know we got years it. ago years like many years ago we hit a thousand yeah so and then I think well we kept counting up to 1300 and that was years ago yeah so, so I, I don't know probably a like couple thousand two thousand mark That's yeah what I'd I feel say as we're well. over that but I mean after a thousand we were very confident about the systems processes and that it worked and then we kind of started losing count you're right I remember going after up a about thousand it just became like clockwork yeah yeah, and still today, I mean, it's just different marketing conditions. There'll be different demand. We've had to educate a lot of markets too. That's something people have to be aware of if they're going to take this type of approach and go into an area where there it hasn't been done on a regular basis before. So like when we started doing these in a variety of different areas around Toronto, um, we had to yeah, educate people, the market. People have not heard of no, it. No, they were clueless. Now, and if you're doing rental, people often people will walk in and say, okay, well, let me just see the numbers and how they work on this one. Like, they're totally familiar with the process. We've had family members do rent-to-own. Like, one part of the family's done a rent-to-own, and then they've recommended a rent-to-own to other members of their family. Yeah, And we've done right. a rent-to-own with them as yep. well. Yeah, friends, same thing. Friends and, you know, like, you know, some people. I think the key with this, just on this note, is sometimes some real estate investors, because this topic is taught at a lot of different real estate kind of wealth books, boot camps, and so forth, people sometimes overstretch what, what we think is good practice with these things. Like, how many times have we seen somebody do a rent-to-own and charge some abnormal, like, just astronomical rent, yeah. where it just doesn't make sense for the person living in the property? Like, generally, when we do a rent-to-own, we're talking about a few hundred dollars more than typical rent in the area. We're not talking, like, a 1000 or $1,500 or more a month. It just it's it's tough for the people moving in to be able to support that payment. This doesn't work. Well, and it's unrealistic, right? Like if the person was going to buy the property at the end of the day for whatever the number is, four hundred thousand dollars, and the monthly rent that they're charging is like three thousand dollars a month. Well, you know what? They don't need to pay three thousand dollars a month to carry the property afterwards. So it's completely unrealistic. They don't need to pay you that much. So a lot of people will set people up for failure. We've seen it, and 
it gives sometimes it gives people a bad name. Like we've had people come through properties yeah. that were in bad rent to own agreements from the tenant's perspective that were looking at getting into one of ours because it was a better setup. So, but it's like any industry. I mean, yeah, you just don't unfortunately get, don't get too greedy with yeah stuff. Some investors, you know, we've worked with a large number of them, and it's it's it's. I never like to see the ones that are just, you know, grasping for every last penny. Like there's enough profit in there. You can be fair to everyone involved, you know, and I think any, every industry is the same way. You have excellent people in the industry and you have some, you know, poor people totally. in the industry and every, everything in between. So it's no different than that. But, you know, in our opinion, there's just you, there's there's if definitely a way to make to it win-win. Moving in, yeah. If you're fair to tenants moving in, they're fair to you and the property works beautifully. Yep. Everybody's happy. There's enough profit for you, for the investor. They get a beautiful home to live in, likely before they thought they could live in such a home. It just works out. Yeah, we've never, to, to your point about the ones that were, um, you know, paying like a, just a really, a, a price that was too high on a monthly basis, we've actually never seen one of those work out. Those ones always end up breaking down. Those are the ones I mean, maybe there is one that I can't recall, but I think, you know, everyone that comes to mind ended up breaking down. So, so you want to be fair. I want to break this out for anyone listening it's it's a standard lease agreement pretty uh, nothing you know standard Ontario lease agreement there's a second agreement which is your option agreement which is the agreement that the people moving into the house would sign that gives them the option to buy the house at the end of the lease typically two years three years that's kind of the sweet spot we, we tend to do a lot of three-year stuff um, and that works out really nice. We have seen a strategy where people use like occupancy agreements and like other agreements to do these things. Those never seem to really work out well. And from what we can tell, there's legal issues with that kind of stuff too, because if someone's moving into a property under an occupancy agreement, from my understanding, if they make payments over a certain amount of months, they might have like legal authority or an equitable stake in the property, meaning that you really can't go to the tenant board very easily if they stop paying you monthly rent and evicting them from the property. It just gets all messy. Yeah. Well, some people say, so some people will say that's the reason that you, that they structured that way with this occupancy agreement, right? So, and we looked into that. We're like, okay, so, so that makes sense. You want to, uh, they want to avoid the, the tenant board. Let's, let's pretend that that is the case with that. We're like, how do you get people out of the property? So we called the police, remember? Yeah. We called the police I sheriff. Called, We're I like, call, hey, yeah. how do you? I, I called, I called the, yeah, I remember yeah. investigating this. So how are you going to get the people out of the yeah. property? And they said, well, without a judgment, we're not going to get the people out of the property. And if you're not going to landlord tenant board, that means you have to go to small claims, small claims or superior court. And that process is substantially longer than, than going anything to the tenant else. Board. And the police said, without the judgment, don't call us. I think most investors have a mistaken fear of the tenant board. Oh, the totally. tenant board, if you have just a nice lease agreement and you're managing the property properly, there's nothing to be scared of. No. It, you know what? The, the, for non-payment of rent, sometimes if it's like a he said, she said, they're disturbing neighbors or something, that can be like a little bit, it can drag on a sure. little bit. But for simple non-payment of rent stuff, I agree with you. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty straightforward. There's a lot of myths that... They can't be evicted at certain times or if there's a certain status, they can't be evicted or all this demographic, all this stuff. But, but that's we've never seen that be true. We've seen people say, OK, you know what? Give them an extra two weeks to find someplace. But there's nothing about like, no, we can't do anything no. about it. No. So that's the best setup for it. And then the option fees that we've seen over the years are kind of standard in between the range of like five thousand up front as an option fee up to twenty thousand. It was kind of the most common rate, m range, maybe more ten to twenty now. Mm -hmm. um, and we've, we've seen, seen higher up to. Up to 81. 81. But that was one. worth a year's worth of rent, wasn't it? Was 81 worth a year's worth of rent? That's what there? I thought. So okay, it might have been so like 60 like, or okay, something. Okay. Yeah, we've seen okay. 50 a couple times. So we've seen 50 plus 
Uh, those are few times. Like those are so twice, high that yeah. that could be more than the profit at the end. So you actually have to keep some money aside to like a refund. Yeah, they depending buy the, on the terms. Depending yeah. on the terms of the option agreement. So um, yeah, we've seen kind of. We didn't think you. Uh, the very first one we did, I thought if we got three, if we got first and last month's rent, and we got like three thousand dollars as the option fee, oh, it was, was a big gonna, win. I was going to be ecstatic. Yeah, first and last month's rent and three thousand bucks. Um, that first one, I think we got seven and a half thousand in first and last month. It was over ten thousand before our first mortgage yeah. payment. Yeah, you're right. I think it was seven and a half. Yeah, yeah, and I remember it was like a light bulb moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, we have this much money coming back to us before we make the first mortgage payment on the property. That was a huge. That was a huge kind of deal. And the nice thing, I, I mean, everyone's gonna have their own opinion, but the nice thing about rent to owns is that typically you're dealing with a single family home, whether it's a fully detached home or a town home or a semi detached. And it's just a nice property. It's not like a duplex or a triplex. And if you've ever managed duplexes or triplexes or stuff, you're always kind of dealing with tenant issues and that kind of stuff. They're just very simple, nice properties to deal with. Yeah, they, they've been good. Well, we've seen people, because there's a couple of people that have had duplexes or like homes with a second unit that they were renting out two units. They did a rent to own with one person. They let that, that person collect the rent from downstairs. So they like made it a little bit more complicated. And remember, you're dealing with someone with not the best credit to begin with. So they started collecting rent and then they didn't really manage it properly. Then they weren't remitting enough of the rent. And I've seen that kind of problem occur. So if you haven't managed one on a single family place first, whether it's condo, townhome, family, you know, detached, whatever it is, I wouldn't complicate things and get it, you know, start doing it with, with things that are duplex and stuff. It can work, but but stick with the basics first, you know. I think a single family is the way. You know what? Easiest to get financing on, easiest to refinance. I remember on one of our duplexes, somebody recorded the couple downstairs having sex um, while they were eating breakfast with their child upstairs and I guess they could hear the noise and they sent me the video of the floor like they they had just pointed their phone to the floor you know and recording the audio and I got this audio thinking you know uh thinking thank god I wasn't having dinner that it, time. it was breakfast it oh, was breakfast, breakfast. <laughs> um so yeah single family we've had a lot of people also do lots of rent owns and then think they were going to kind of quote unquote graduate from rent to owns and do like buildings and bigger properties and then they got some hassles with those properties and went back to rent to owns yeah so yeah. uh, the downside, I mean, there's downside to everything, though. So the downside is you're giving up control of the property because once you do a rent to own, they have the right to buy it legally at, you know, during that, that time during period that time. So, yeah. you know, so if the property appreciates more, you might be stuck selling it for a lower price. That's definitely a downside. The upside to that is that if you set the price in advance, then you can you protect your downside risk if the property doesn't appreciate. Right. So that's that's the upside to it. So there's always a, a flip side, but there is a little bit of like giving up control of the rights to that property to someone else. And that's essentially what they're buying, right? So for that down payment, that five, 10, $20,000 they're giving you, that's that's what they're buying. They're buying the rights to purchase that property. So if you want that money up front, it, it, it can be a fair exchange. Yeah, and one of the nice things I think that I've always appreciated about rent-to-owns, and, and we've always done them outside of the city. We've never really done rent-to-owns just because of a cost thing. So we've always kind of gone around like 905 area around Toronto and beyond um, to do rent to owns, but always in population centers that if we ever had a vacancy, we could always fill it as another rent to own or change it to a straight rental. But we've always done communities with good population sizes around Toronto. That's a big point because some, a lot of people have, you know, had been bringing us deals from other areas small in Ontario and, and other areas in Canada, small towns saying, Hey, this person wants to sell their house, maybe rent it back. And we're uh, like, on well, a that, rent to own. Yeah. And what if that 
if that doesn't work out, then what? You're going to have this property where and, you know, what are the kind of, you know, what's the area like? Is there demand? Is there migration? Like in migration, you know, are population trends increasing or decreasing? Are there jobs? All this stuff. So I, I think when it comes to rent to own, sometimes people, we, we've seen people kind of get caught up in the numbers and they're so focused just on the numbers. They're like, man, this is like an opportunity. You got to be really careful. Like whenever we're buying a property, uh, rent to own or anything else, we, we're prepared to own it over the long term. Because if that doesn't work out, we want options with the property. So if the property isn't something that's going to be in demand, it doesn't matter on a spreadsheet what you think the numbers are going to be. If you think there's going to cash flow so much for a certain number of years and they're going to buy out and you're going to hit this windfall of this rent to own property, if those people take off, which is, you know, can, they very easily can do, they just kind of walk away from the house, then you're going to be left with that house. So it's better be a good piece of real estate. If you're investing in real estate, make sure you're picking the right property in the right area to invest in, irregardless of who you think is going to live in, 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 and, and do a rent to own That's from That's why you. I always kind of disagree with investors who say, hey, it's all about the numbers. Just show me the numbers on the property because I can show you great numbers on a property, but if it's in the middle of nowhere. Remember that one time someone did a rent to own in the middle of nowhere, I think along the banks of Fort Erie somewhere? And uh, do you remember this? Yeah. And the property went vacant. Yeah. And then they were stuck because it was a rather large home out there. And the numbers worked while that person was doing the rent to own. But then the, the person took off and yeah. didn't complete and there it. there was no demand for there it. There was no demand for such a big property that required such a high rent in some of these communities out there. And they were stuck for months with vacancy. Yeah. And we've we've heard those stories from a number Countless. of people in different areas. So It's one of the reasons, and, and, and you know maybe we'll talk about this a little bit. It's one of the reasons we like to lead with or initially do a Pick the property first in the community we want to own property in versus doing rent to own in like, you know, where you find the tenant and then get the tenant to pick out the property they would like to do a rent to own on. And then you buy that property for the tenant. Yeah. So I think just when, one of the when we do that, we we guide them to a property that we're comfortable in the areas buying we, in the areas and, and the type of point. property that we want to buy. Exactly. That's the biggest difference. Instead of giving them a blank slate and saying, oh, whatever, the bigger property, more expensive you buy, the more money I'll make. There's no way. Because then yeah. th those other things can happen. Yeah. And uh, the property, and I don't know if we made it clear, but typically starter homes work out really well. That's kind of starter home category. And the reason I think for that is not, it's beyond rent to own. It's just starter home categories always work, you know, up markets or down markets. A starter home is really going to always have demand. So uh, the starter home category for rent to own specifically works really well. But we typically don't do them in con with condos. A lot well, of people have asked con the condo fees can make it the numbers more difficult. But but it'd be, I mean we have people that have done them. We haven't ourselves. Yeah. But but investors have worked we've with done, them, done some them. like freehold townhomes that have like a small condo fee. You know yeah, those like townhomes that have like road clearing. Yeah, fee road or clearing and road like a hundred. Yeah. But it includes some insurance like on the exterior only or something like that. Yeah, there are those. I mean, officially those are condos, but they're just low, super low fees because of the way the condo structured. It's like yeah. the, the place I have up here in Oakville. The, the condo fee is super super. That's low. right. Yeah, it's, de it's like a detached. That. It's a detached home, but. But it is officially it's a condo. But in general, the condo fees don't make it work. Yeah, just the carrying costs are too high. Because if you, you know, whatever you would have to charge in rent to cover your costs, the mortgage, the insurance, and the property taxes, and then the condo fee, typically it's cost prohibitive, usually. Well, yeah, you know what? It's been, I think it's been really partly that, but then when we, ex we, we show investors the, uh, some other areas and the options of some other areas and the, the kind of return you can get for a similar investment, I think people jumped on that as well because they would look at the condo numbers and then for a similar price point, they would look at some other numbers and they'd be like, well, I'm going to go there. I'm willing to kind of go outside of the city a little bit because I'm getting a better bang for my buck. 
So I think it's a, a, co a combination mm -hmm. of both. Because truly with a rent to own, one of the ways we've always explained to people, because people didn't, remember people were like, well, I don't get it. That like the rents aren't that high. The rents aren't. How can you ask for two thousand dollars when rents are only seventeen hundred dollars? Doesn't make sense. It only rents for seventeen hundred dollars. And we always explained like, it's not about the rent. These people are buying it. So if the carrying if they costs, can't afford two thousand, they're not gonna. They're it, not gonna be able to buy it. Exactly. So it kind of applies to the condos too, where you have to wrap that in. If they can't afford to pay the increased amount for the condo fees, it doesn't really work. But then from the investor standpoint, often you got way better bang for your buck without those condo fees. And I think a nice single family home, even we always, I think both of us always plan for worst case scenarios. Like we're a little kind of like, Hey, yeah, we're going to yeah, buy property. Sure. And, and the nice thing on a nice starter home, single family starter home is that we always think, okay, if the market changed entirely and nobody wanted to do a rent to own ever again, could we straight rent this property out? And because there's no condo fees on a, star, a starter home and we're buying starter homes in good communities. Yeah. We're protected. We, more. Yeah. We're protected. Cause we know worst case, We'll do a straight rent on this property, and it's even still at the cash flow. So yeah, I keep cutting you off. Yeah, no, no, and it'll it'll at minimum in a worst case scenario we'll cover our costs. Sure, but yeah. likely still create cash flow. But worst case, yep. we're going to cover our costs, and that comes from just when our family kind of almost basically went bankrupt in 1990, having a property we had to rent out where we were losing hundreds of dollars a month. I mean, it was almost a thousand dollars a month yeah. on that property, even while it was rented out during the recession that started in 1990. So that's kind of where that comes from. That's why I think just start, I don't know. That's I always kind of lean to start homes, especially on rent to own. So, uh, okay. Yeah, still, well, still in our area, the starter home up until this point where it's kind of been shifting, but in most areas here, the starter home, when you know, the starter detached home has still been the starter home, right? But as demographics change and housing stock changes, the, the starter home might change to a stacked townhome with you know condo what? That's fees a, or that, a condo. That's a good point. And that'll change it. Yeah, and it's something we tell everyone, look, if you're going to do, you have to match the starter home to the starter home of that community. Because for a while, we were doing a lot in Burlington, Ontario, and the Burlington, Ontario, we actually did fully detached homes really briefly in Burlington, Ontario. We did, Ontario, yeah, yeah, bungalows, rental. some of the older yeah, bungalows. Yeah, yeah, they were great. Actually, we did some we newer two the, stories, too. Two sto we yep. bought some in Burlington at, two, I want to say, like $285,000 fully detached home in Burlington, Ontario. I don't know why we didn't. I don't remember that. I remember I remember townhomes at like 260 We did one at like 255 Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fully detached. We did one. I helped an investor way I believe you. I just don't back. remember I couldn't believe it. And even looking back now, I can't, I, I, I just don't know why we didn't buy all those properties. But anyway, um, many lessons learned. Over I do because we, we, we had no money. so much money into the business <laughs> that, yeah, less capital to invest we in properties. No um, I don't know if that was looking back. I don't know if that was good or bad. Yeah. Maybe we should have just bought properties yeah. instead of started the business. Yeah, it's been a good ride. Um, <laughs> So yeah, single family homes, you have to match them to com the community that you're in. So when we were doing a lot in Burlington, it was typically townhomes, even though in, out in Hamilton or on the east side of the city, when we were doing Ajax and uh, some in yeah, Oshawa yeah, and still in Clarington detached. and that kind of place, it's it could be detached homes. So you kind of match the starter home to the community. Right? Yeah. That's a really important point. You can't just take the same property and consider it a starter home right across the For province sure. of Ontario. And well, and now in Burlington, even though like you know the townhomes are still kind of the you know the low rise starter homes, where prices have gone, the starter home a lot more of them are, are condos, and then you have to condos get, or those stacked towns, stacked you know, that towns, don't yeah. they're like back to back on yeah. against each other. So you can look at those things, and that's where your point about the condo fees come into play. Like you know what, the, sometimes the condo fees just don't make the investment make sense anymore. 
Yeah. You know, you, so so it can or can't. You, you, it's really to your point, community by community. You got you have to have an understanding of it. Yeah, and I just want to touch base on uh, to touch back on that people like getting the tenant first and then finding my property. One of the reasons that we steered away from that. Not that you can't do it, and that's not possible. We know tons of people that do that kind of strategy. Well, we've done it. Yeah. It, it just one of the one of the things that it often led to is having a discussion where. You, it was difficult to convince people. Remember when we were trying to meet people in like Tim Hortons, donut shops? Yeah, that's we, the biggest challenge. That was back then. That was the really toughest yeah. challenge. People couldn't believe what we were going to do for them. Like, yeah, and, and you're trying them. to ask them because we were to try to qualify them. We were asking them to give us money because yeah. we didn't want to spend our time with them if they weren't serious. Yeah, and then they're looking at you like you're just like I'm meeting you at Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons, and you want like a thousand dollars as a deposit, and yeah. we're like, no, we'll give it back to you if we can't find your property, which but, we which we did, and we would. But you know what? As soon as we started doing that in the property, so if they came to the property, yeah, that, that's what was, I wanted. Yeah. That was the big change. Okay, yeah, it wasn't even if it wasn't right for them. We were like, hey, we'll go buy you a property. Let us know what you want. And then they trusted us in a whole different manner countless, because we were in the property. Countless investors have now shared stories. I mean, hundred now, how many investors have we helped do this where they g- g- pick the property first, then they go to advertise that property as a rent-to-own. Yeah, and they get a second one on top of that. Second property, third more. property from yeah. tenants that don't want that property. And then we tell them, hey, go and ask them what they want. And then we go and help them find the next property and it's really easy because they believe you because they were in a property that you owned that you were doing as a rent to own. Now to convince them to do another property. And not only that, not only do they believe you, they're in the area that you likely want to own property, right? Yeah. Because if you have one property in a city, for example, Kitchener, Ontario, and then you meet someone there, they likely want a property in Kitchener. So now you're grouping your properties together and you're not like all scattered all over Ontario with all these kind of different properties everywhere. You're buying properties for people who are looking in Kitchener and you can get, how many times have we seen an investor buy one property, find two tenants who wanted some other properties, they found a a tenant uh, on a rent to own for their first property and then the next two they took around, bought the properties, signed leases, collected option money and on a closing day just handed over the keys and and one property turned into three properties. Here's, Here's the thing though, a lot of people I shouldn't say a lot. Some people will say that in in that type of scenario where the person's picking out the prop, their own specific property ahead of time and then you're buying it for them, the chances of them completing the rent-to-own program are greater. Um, with some people... If uh, you, you know, do some, it right, I can see that. Yeah, I know, but you know We've what? We've seen never, a lot of people never, not do it right. It's never though. materialized, yeah. right? I had someone look me in the eye and said, you know what? It's 100%. When you do it that way, it's 100%. And I'm, I was like, okay, I'm not going to yeah, laugh right at the person, you know, because I, I don't want to, you know, offend them. Although I didn't mind that much, but I didn't laugh right in front of them. I think it was very, it was a good, it was a good show of self-control You will laugh in part. someone's face if you want yeah, to. Yeah, but that was a good show of self-control. I did really good. You're and, growing uh, up, man. Really You're proud growing of myself. Up. You're growing up. <laughs> but you know what? Nothing's 100%. And plus, we've done, li- like, you know, like we've done thousands of these, like legitimately yeah. thousands, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So we so don't know we anyone, know. In, the, There's anyone no in the country of Canada who's yeah. done more. And we've seen, we've seen like these things that it doesn't, it doesn't work out a hundred percent and they, you know, and it, of course I had also have experiences that where, you know, people had, had done things like that and they've told, they told me they're like, no, it didn't work out at a hundred percent as well. Right. So, so there, the number, because, okay, here's the reason. The number one reason these rent to own things, if they don't buy the property is not because they don't like the house. That is by far, that I don't know how far down the list that is, but it's not even an issue. The number one reason that we see is some sort of domestic issue. So like it's a usually a relationship breakdown and then and then they go their their separate ways and that then they walk away or something like that. That's definitely there's been other issues. There's sometimes it's relationship stuff or like job that. change. I'm moving to another province, yeah. other side of the city. 
Yeah, but those are different reasons. But I yeah. think I think we the, did have the a, one reason that trumps them all is the relationship. Yeah. One. You're right. Because do you remember that one nice rent to own where we had the guy move in? And, I remember. I remember his truck. It was a new truck. Nice guy. Nice great girl. guy. He was going to buy the property. Then the girl, uh, he gets a new girlfriend. She moves in. We started getting emails that clearly were not written from him, but came from his email account on how like they wish the family room could be bigger and they were going to renovate and they, you know, all these things change and his whole atti- attitude on the property changed. And then we get noticed like he's moving out. Doesn't want to complete oh, the rent. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I know the one you're talking about. And I'm talking about another one. Which one? I'm talking about the guy. Oh, so so you can finish the story. Well, that was just a relationship change. He was fine. Loved the property for two years. Gets the new girlfriend. All of a sudden, emails come from his email account written totally differently that he doesn't like the property anymore and he's not going to complete yeah. the rent to own, which we were fine with. But uh, oh yeah, but it was it was yeah it was coming from somewhere somewhere else for sure. And then but then this one was I don't think it was one of our properties. I think it was one that we filled for someone, and it was a young couple. They weren't married yet, from my understanding. They were moving into the house. I'm trying to lead you on because you're you're the one that dealt with with the phone call. Okay. Oh 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 my gosh, pregnant girlfriend. Yeah, that one. Yeah yeah yeah. Oh my gosh, hey, I forgot about that. Well, you got to share it now. Yeah. You so the uh, the that was uh, you're talking about the one where the guy moves in with the pregnant girlfriend three months later. Yeah. He call- say he calls and says. I'm, you know what? Yeah. You got my. You have my deposit. I'm not paying you. This was an investor that we helped on this exactly. particular property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he goes. I'm not. I'm moving. He moves in three months later and says, "I'm not going to be completing the rent to own, and actually, I'm moving out." And the investor, good guy, we still work with him today, kind of freaked out a little bit. I would too. Calls us and says, "You know what should I do?" And we're like, "Well, hey, call the guy back and see what happened." Calls the guy back, and the guy tells him, "Yeah, do you remember when you saw my pregnant girlfriend? Well, I found out that the baby." wasn't mine <laughs> yeah that was that that's a good she story, was yeah. gone he decided to take a new job in another part of the city start fresh wanted out so he we said well you know what just kind of negotiate where you can show the property while he's still living in there um the guy said hey i fully understand that you know i'm what i got myself into i'm gonna be walking away from this whole situation he walked away the investor got another rent to own tenant in there um 30 days later and he was, you know, he yeah. was, that's why we buy good properties in good areas, by the way. That's the key. That's because exactly, you never, yeah. We trust the property more than we do the people. Sure, because there's no are emotions we, on the not, property. Or maybe we're not nice people. No, life happens. Yeah, when, yeah. If you removed emotion from everything, it'd be easier, but when the emotions are involved. But that, so that's what I was going to, as you were telling the story, that's what I was going to ask, because I mean, that's probably one of the questions that comes to, comes to people's mind is like, okay, so what happens when they they don't buy the property? And exactly what you said, often you can end up you can in do a another better rent. situation, you know, for not some people. Not that you want to. That's no, not no, even no, the no. intent. No, no, no. no. And, you know, some people have been like, I'm happy when they move out because I get to rent it again and get another upfront payment. That's not the intent at all. But what happens is, you know, if they decide to not purchase the property, the option they default on the option payment. So that option payment is yours to keep. You can do another rent to own, get another option payment, and you can rent it out again. Sometimes you get a higher rent, and it, you know it works out for even or better if financially. It's a, or if it's a property that you just love, you could straight rent it. Totally. That, a bunch of people have yep. done that. Whereas a rent to own has not bought out. And then they've said, you know what? I think I want to keep this property forever. Yeah. And they do a straight rent, just to add it to their portfolio. You know, we've we've found. I think you found the same thing. But it's it's the rent owner is a nice way for investors to kind of dip their toe in the market. Really, because there's a little really bit of insurance is. up front, especially right? for busy families. Yeah, yeah, totally. But then often, when once all those fears that a new investor has, which is something that we should probably it's like a whole separate episode, is like all the fears and kind of how to counter those things. But um, 
once all those fears subside, because you have all these these preconceived notions about all the bad things that can happen, and once you have a, your first investment property for a while, you realize that all those things can either not uh, might not happen, or they're not that hard to deal with. Then you start looking for other options, and a lot of people have started saying, "Okay, guys, I've got a couple of these properties, or one. What else you got for me? Because the the down, like I don't want to let these properties go. I want to buy a few properties. I want to hold on to them for a long period of time." And so to your point, if they move out, a lot of people will decide to keep the property and change change approaches. That's kind of the beauty of the whole thing. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, like it's a, a little flexible. It's flexible in that way. It's like a bridge into investing. And I think a lot of people misunderstand real estate investing if they haven't got into it before. You know, I just had another thought though. Because I got so many comments about the about the, 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 the cocaine analogy with the student rentals. Okay. Rent to owns like a gateway drug into <laughs> investing. Oh is that another good analogy? Are we, will we get comments oh, on that one too? Yeah. That's what it is. It's yeah. like get rent to owns like the gateway drive. If you're For looking, investors. If you're looking at investing and you're not sure about how to get into it and what you want to try first, it could be like the gateway drug for it you. It works out. You know what? <laughs> so I, I think, could try, No, no. It's good. You, you go for all the gateway drugs uh, now that I'm, you now want. Now I'm all about the Gateway yeah, drugs yeah. are legal in Ontario <laughs> soon. So, I mean, you know, it's not <laughs> you're like right, you're crazy. Right, yeah. uh, what I was going to say is that a lot of investors think that bigger properties mean more. You know how people just automatically think, well, I'm not going to go with single family. I'm going to start with big properties because big properties naturally will mean big money. And and it's the most, I think that's one of the biggest things investors don't realize is that big properties, and what I mean by that is let's say you're going to get like an eight unit or 10 unit or 12 unit building. It doesn't necessarily mean more money. In fact, the return on investment on a lot of single family home rent to own style investing is way more annually than on a building. You know, so like bigger doesn't just mean better. Getting into a nice single family home. And the reason I tell everybody start with like if you're on the fence, if you're a busy family and you're not sure what to start with, start to, with a rent to own because if you want to get out of real estate investing, they're the easiest things to sell. Like a single family home at the end of the days, it's considered the most liquid piece of real estate in Canada. So if you're sick of it, you can sell it at a moment's notice. You can refinance. It's the easiest properties to refinance. So for example, versus a student rental, student rentals can be hard to refinance because a lot of banks don't like dealing with student rentals. Even in Canada, there's only a couple of banks. Like right now, I think I'm pretty sure it'll be like RBC, CIBC, RBC sounds about right as two of the banks that are going to deal with student rentals. The other banks don't. Right now, it's a moving target. It's a moving target. Yeah. But uh, other banks don't want to deal with student rentals. We even had... Um, a bank initially lent to us on a student rental property. I won't mention the bank's name, but they lent to us. Mention to throw them under the bus. Then, no, they, then, they, then they wouldn't refinance. When we wanted to refinance the property, their words were, hey, our auditors know what the property is and we're fine renewing your mortgage as is, but we won't refinance it. And it took us about 10 months of work to try to refinance and pull out. We had a lot of equity in that property to pull it out. So that was kind of difficult versus a single family home. If you want to refinance a single family home, you're going to find a lender all day long that's going to do that. I mean, not that it's the easiest thing in the world, but it's going to be possible. Oh, so yeah. even selling, refinancing other mortgage programs, it's just, it, there's a lot of flexibility to it. It's kind of one of the reasons that it's, yeah, it's fine. It's your gateway drug property style. Yeah. I want to cover one other thing is uh, um, what we noticed is that buyout rates on rent to owns tend to fluctuate mostly from our experience with what's going on in the economy. So if property prices are going through the roof, buyout rates, and what I mean by a buyout rate is the rate at which a t tenants will buy out rent to owns will increase sharply. So over the years, what do you think if we had to generalize over a 10 year period? 
tough. It's been, it, you know, why? Because we don't get all the, the data the from people. Yeah, yeah it's okay, impossible. but we do. But we okay. Well, we like, can I know investors that that, that that are buyout rates like at eighty percent. Yeah, I know. Some that are because they they some investors are great. They they give they show the credits yeah, every they month. They work with their tenants. They they extend leases. Like there's yeah. all sorts of variables, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's impossible to to characterize it. But look, one general theme we have noticed is that when the economy is going really, or when property prices are going up really high, buyout rates increase. If there's any negative press in the real estate market, then buyout rates decrease. That seems to stay stay true amongst most investors. But you're bringing up a good point. Some investors work really closely with mortgage brokers really well. I mean, we have mortgage brokers who do this all day long. Um, and their tenants to every month share with their tenants how many credits they've earned. That's something actually we didn't talk about yet, Nick, the credits. But how many credits they earned um, that goes towards helping them buy the property to show them how close they're getting them working with mortgage brokers to qualify to yeah. purchase the property. And some investors just take a total hands-off approach. And that really makes a big difference in the success and buyout rate of these properties. Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a lot to them. There's a lot. There's a lot. The, I mean, we're trying to, you know, put 10, 10 years. years of experience into, into you know, whatever, an hour or so. So it's just not really going to work. But yeah, the, the, there's, there is the credits as well, which is, you know, anytime the, the tenant pays their rent, we, on time, we give the monthly credits to go towards the down payment, and the purchase price. Right. Yeah. So usually it's anywhere from, but two the to four hundred bucks probably is the yeah. most common, depending on how much they're paying. So um, you know, and that's the other benefit for them to to do a rental home property and the buyout prices too. You can you can set the buyout prices, which is most common for us, is we set the buyout prices ahead of time because we like to protect the downside. It does limit upside potentially, um, but you can also have the property appraised. You can put the, the the way to determine the price is get an appraisal on the property or two, and you take the the average of the two or something like that. Uh, at the time they're supposed to buy the property and you know that that can be good as well if there's additional upside and the property increases faster than the prices you would have set that's good for you if the property doesn't that could be bad for you so you know there's there's two ways to look there's at, a million look at ways to slice and die. i mean we started doing two-year rent to owns then we changed yeah. to three-year rent to owns we started appreciating i think at five percent a year from what we bought it to the coming out with the buyout price we still do r on roughly average five percent a year well you know what if you look at at that time i guess it was a few years ago so the last few years might have skewed it slightly but the the you know the majority of of the Toronto area the real estate prices on a very long term trend I remember looking at a number of different graphs they kind of yeah CMHC rough, had that data roughly yeah. at about that price year over year over long term. yeah over so like a 30, 40 year a window that's yeah. so we just justified it that way so that was a, it was an easy answer for us early and on. it leaves a very it leaves you with a lot of profit five percent oh, totally. compounded Compound. a year. Yeah, is really good. Totally, and it's compounded on on the purchase price, not your actual investment amount. So you're not paying a hundred percent for the property. You're paying, you know, whatever the down payment is. If you're putting twenty percent down, but you're compounding five percent on the larger amount, then your RO, your return on investment is like really solid totally. because of that. But it also gave us a very easy answer to tenants. Because it was like, hey, here's, here's the, the long-term chart, norm. and that's what we're taking. You know. Yeah, and what we found is that, yeah, that's the easier easier component in the whole thing. Most tenants are concerned with the monthly payment they're going to have to make, as most people are. Like, what are my monthly carrying costs, right? So the bio price wasn't as big of an issue. And we have seen... We've seen both sides of this. We've seen where properties have appreciated more than we've agreed to sell, um, which is fine. I mean, you know, we're, we're going to be happy with the return. So if the tenant has some built-in equity when they go to the buy the property, we're not upset with it. Totally. Listen. We have seen people who have been upset with it, but yeah. we're not upset with it. We've but, made there, our, but, but if you're getting 170% on your money, I mean, as an example. Whatever like, it is. Because you know, one, yeah. one of ours was something, it was somewhere around like a 200% return on our money over, I think it was like three or four years even. 
But like that, that ROI is huge. So you're not going to complain. So we left money on the table, but who are we going to complain to? I mean, look how much, you know, the profit we made. I mean, we can't be complaining. People are going to be like, guys, shut up and go away. Like, you you know, there's there's bigger problems in the world. We haven't seen it often, but we have seen a few situations where the appraiser didn't appraise the property high enough for the tenant to buy it out at the price we had agreed to. And in those cases, we agreed to um, honor all the credits and wait about six months to see if we can get it reappraised at that point at the per, at the buyout price, which it did. And then we kind of did the whole deal then and they were great tenants and that's kind of why we did it that way. But there's that kind of situation you have to be aware of as well, which is why you can't uh, you can't buy the property for one price and then appreciate it at like 15% a year because the bank still have to appraise the property at, a, at the buyout price. Yeah. So you can't get like too aggressive. Even if you can get a tenant to agree to some crazy buyout price, you just kind of have to do the right thing in general yeah. all the time. There was one investor he worked with where I explained after he, he bought the property and he signed it up for a, oh, a, a, pretty, he, a pretty aggressive buyout number. You, you told him it was too high. And I said, I go, you know what, that, that, that just the risk is the bank's not going to appraise it for that number. And he said, he goes, that's fine. I'm, I'm told, he was like, he was aware of what he was doing. He's like, I'd rather look like the good guy and pull the, pull price the, down. the price down than leave money on the table. So I was like, okay, he, he knows what he's doing. He, he knows control. what he's he getting himself to, into. Yeah. So if you're still going into eyes wide open like that, that that's perfect. You can, you, you have an understanding of it, right? I, I think that's the most important thing, right? I was just thinking of another thing that when we started doing these, how no lawyers or no banks understood how to deal with the paperwork. Remember that whole era? Oh, man. If you said rent oh to own gosh. to a bank, it, they would- Even a lawyer. Yeah. Anyone. You know what? I would still never say rent to own to a bank for- That's you true. Know, If I was qualifying for a mortgage, I yeah, would say, just hey, a straight, it's I have an a investment property. property or a rental property or something like that. You say rent to own and it goes to the wrong person at the bank. They give you like, the I don't understand. Look. What does this mean? We don't, we don't know if we deal with this type of property. It's just, it's crazy. They don't, there's, it's no different to them. Like as a rent, yeah, you know, it's, it's, an income, it's an income property. To them. It's Same basically thing. a story. It is basically a rental property. Yeah. It's just that you have also sold an option to sell the property. If the tenants wish to exercise that option, yeah. there's no obligation for them to that's, that's what it is. They have the option to buy the, pr- uh, the property at a set price, but they don't have the obligation to buy the property. That's what an option is. So yeah, what do you what do you say about the mortgage? Speaking of the banks, what do you say about the mortgage option? Because there's penalties to break the mortgage, right? So what what do you what do you say to people when they say, well, what what kind of mortgage should I go with if it's a rent to own property? Even if we're doing a three year term on the rent to own, we still always I think five year terms have always got got us the best rate. So we'll just usually anticipate the the penalty that we're going to get when we break that mortgage and build it into our numbers. So if we have to increase the buyout price a little bit to cover that cost, or just be aware that we have that. We're fine with it. There's enough profit to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, there's a few things. So there's that, right? And then typically if we're going with the five-year term, it'll be a variable rate because we, you know, the, the, the penalty with low interest rates right now, the penalty to break a variable rate mortgage is typically three months interest. So it's a pretty small penalty in the grand scheme of things. Um, there's a number of people that we've seen do one year. They just do one year and just constantly renew it as well yeah. if, 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 if they want to. So you can do that. Or we, if you can get an open, but I mean. Yeah, if you can't get an open, depending on what the what rate you would pay for it being open. Um, but trying to line up like a three-year mortgage with with the oh disaster because it with never the buyout yeah because the buyout never, lines never up happens perfectly. usually there's a delay of one or two months or they're gonna buy out one month early or, early, or, whatever or they want to extend it for a year or whatever so it's either you you just go and, and and calculate the penalty like you said or you go super short term and hope that you can kind of push it or arrange it that's a good, you know and the, that's a good lines, point we didn't talk up. about extending it but extending it, it does happen you know two months they need to extend it three months. 
you can extend it a year, but once you go beyond a year, we kind of have like a frank discussion with the tenants of like, hey, you're going to buy this property or not because we can't extend this thing for like 10 years. Like we're not going to let the credits that you earn every month on this property add up to the value of the home or anything. Yeah. So there's this kind of window where like a three-year rent-to-own is really nice. You can extend it maybe for another year, maybe even another but, two years. But, you know, then after that, it's kind of well, like, But hey, when you extend it, you also don't have to give credits. You can change that's your, true. So Actually, like that's legally the way it works, yeah. once, the, once the, the option date passes as long as you're not doing anything i mean check with your lawyer right that's that's the disclaimer that we officially have to give but um what the lawyers kind of explained to us in the past is like as long as you're not doing anything malicious to prevent them from buying the property like trying to sabotage their ability to get financing on the property or something um once that date passes then they don't have the the right to buy that property anymore you know um at that price so but like you said we've often done things where we extend we'll sit down and have a conversation with them and see where they're at and we've extended it and continued with credits and increased the buyout price or not giving them credits and not change the price or done one and not the other like we're just negotiating at that point to figure out what the scenario what the best scenario is going to be and then we can carry over their down payment or not or whatever you want to do and, and because we control the numbers and we know their, our profit numbers we're willing to kind of figure out something that works for for all sides you're bringing up a good point that's why they're so kind of flexible we've seen this stuff happen all the time you know we've seen people pay for one year up front on rent to owns two years up we've seen people give like a twenty thousand dollar option fee and pay for two years up front on rent to owns yeah another thing we didn't discuss on rent to owns they're the number one properties where tenants will take the best care of the not all not all the time but in general, they're going to take much better. Not only will they take much better care of the property usually, but they may even do improvements on the property that no regular tenant in a regular rental would ever do. I'm talking like paving driveways, renovating inside. We've had people put oh, yeah. up fences hardwood around. Floors, hardwood floors, painting, yeah, all yeah, sorts of stuff. Everything yeah. that you would just never see. So, and it's not perfect. It's not like all, there have been rent-to-owns where people kind of walk away and leave you with a vacant property that you're going to oh, have to yeah. deal with. And with garbage that you have to empty or furniture. out stuff, We've, had, we've seen people drive by their properties and the property, they left all the furniture in the property, yeah. everything. There's, listen, in everything, there is like the superstar tenants and the not so good tenants and the terrible tenants. On average, in our experiences is, you know, it, it will bring a little bit higher caliber tenant on average than, than so, a lot well, of Well, just because of the income also required to get into yeah, one. the income. And they're viewing it. I mean, the key also is they're viewing it as their own property. So, so when, you know, when they hand over money, they're now financially committed to the property because it's like a non-refundable option fee, right? So they're financially committed to the property and they're emotionally committed to the property because they view it as their own. So that can be a plus, Right. So it, it's kind of it, it can work out that way. I mean, I've had numerous people cry when we had them over the keys because it's to them, it's home ownership to them. And they're crying. They're so emotionally committed to this property. And and truthfully, that's something that we'd like to see. Like with this type of investing strategy, we want them to be that committed to the property because it generally makes for a better situation overall. Not always, but generally there's, there's never any, anything that's perfect. Right. There, I'm always amazed at the demand for good rent to own properties. Do you remember when, where was that one investor that we were working with that I think basically called you a liar over the phone thinking yeah. that there was, there was no one in their right mind that was going to rent a property for more than average rent in that neighborhood. And we were trying to explain that this is different than rent. Like it's, yeah, it's he had cool. already bought the property. We yeah. had helped him find a property. And he said he was already lead, lead generating, yeah. but had convinced himself that nobody was going to pay yeah. the amount of rent required. Yeah. And he called me a liar and I got upset. I remember. Yeah. 
So, I remember. So, to, so out of spite, I'm like, okay. I'm I remember you closed the door and everybody in the office. Remember, we were out of another bro. That was when we just started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I knew you were going to try to rip that guy's head off over the phone. But to your credit, we went there. Remember? Yeah, you, about a week later, it was filled. For because work. why? You went and said, I'll go do it for free, for nothing. I'm going to go find totally. you a tenant. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was our. Uh, that was he wasn't following what we were telling him to do. Remember, no, not he was at doing all. Every, but that did, was our commitment to people, right? And we're big. I mean, to keep to keep your that's word. That's still to our us commitment is, that oh, we're yeah. going to have your everyone's back. But you got to keep you got to keep your word. So I was like, okay, okay, this is what I'll do. So I did it. We filled it at no cost, and I said, hey, listen, it's done. Here's the agreement. Here's the money. We're going to part ways now. This is it, and we're done. I remember and he was happy. I met him. I remember because I went to his house Halloween. to meet him. And it was deliver, right around Halloween. Everything. It might have been on Halloween night. Uh, maybe oh, I don't week. remember all that. Yeah, you know why I remember. I was filling a property for a friend of ours who bought a property, but didn't have the time to go find a tenant. And I was getting frustrated that he had a vacant property. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go find you a tenant. So I advertised that property while you were showing that property. I collected money on his property on the very first showing. On your very first showing on that guy's property, who called you a liar, you collected money and signed the deal. Yeah. That was when we did seven properties in a row on one showing. And do you remember the time we filled a property with tenants? We forgot the keys. They looked through the window. Do you remember this? It wasn't no, one of ours. I they looked be, through the I, windows. I, and I, I want to be clear. Oh, we forgot. I think you forgot. No, no. This is a different story. What? No, which one is that then? This is the one that it was across the street from a high school. And we went oh, to go show the yes, park. You yes, forgot yes, the keys, yes. I think, in this no, case. You no, you me. forgot the keys. I think both of these you stories. You forgot the keys. Remember, we always remember the story where I to forgot the keys. Down, no, no, I forgot. You know what? I'm so happy right now because I always forget about this story. No one, no you one, forgot no one listening believes you at this point. You forgot the keys. I think there was even a pool in the backyard, which you know, we normally no, don't do. No, there definitely wasn't no? a pool in the backyard. Okay, okay. I know the house okay, okay maybe I'll give you that. There wasn't even a backyard. It was a corner Yeah, it was a corner It was a side yard. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the one. So now no one can believe that I forgot the keys because you've already forgot the keys. You already forgot You forgot the keys. They looked through the window and decided that they wanted to do a rent to own on that property and we followed up with them over email you went to go i think show them the property afterwards but they decided to do it just basically on on looking through the window yeah. that was the time when we showed we filled seven rent to own properties in a row on a single showing on each property you remember that yeah and then do you remember what happened next i thought i was hot can are we saying shit i thought i was hot shit and i was going to teach somebody on our team on how to uh, fill a property and you couldn't do it and we it took us like seven weeks we went through like 50 people <laughs> i don't know what it was and you know what that's a big lesson for any real estate investor beginner or experience it doesn't matter how much experience you have you're always going to hit one property that for whatever reason just takes you forever to find oh, a tenant yeah. on doesn't yeah. matter the property type rent to own straight rental duplex it doesn't matter even if and you know what's often the best property in the best area that you think you're going to fill the fastest it's yeah. always those properties you got to be humbled every now and again oh, it's you man. know it's just the way the I, world and i works. remember thinking hey you know what i think it was jp on our team jp come with me i'm gonna show you how to fill this property look how great oh I am. my god we drove up to that property for i think it was seven weeks holy smokes that was disaster but we got it done wow well, it wasn't that, really disaster when you make it no, seem like I, that. I, seven weeks wasn't really a big deal. <laughs> you know why it was only a disaster? Because in my head, I had sold myself on seven hours that it was going to be like a one day thing. Drive up there, fill it, fill it uh, find the paperwork, and be in done. seven weeks. You probably went to the property <laughs> ten times in total. It's not like it was the yeah, end of the world. Yeah, it was at a all. very profitable seven weeks. There's no doubt. That's something that you're always really good at saying when you break down how much work you actually do with rental properties compared to what the hassles of them. And if you divide them, the profits that you make by the hour of oh, the hourly with that, rate, oh, the gosh. hourly rate of dealing with them, it's always the best. Well, you thing know, when that came to mind once I was at a, it was one of the student properties, you were at Disney World. 
And <laughs> you uh, like pointing that out, eh? Yeah, I like, remember. I know the, the story. Yeah, because I had Go to on. sit. I had to Go sit on. on these stairs. I remember. You were Disney I think World you called me from the stairs. So Tom, well, guess I was where trying I am. To, I was trying I'm to on the stairs. make sure that during Disney at the happiest place on earth, you thought about where I was. Yeah, sitting so on I was the sitting stairs, on the sucking stairs, water. Yeah, with this vacuum and just just against like because it was laminate floor, so it was underneath the laminate. And it just like with the vacuum just right against that. I think I could hear the sucking, sucking water. And I was like, man, why am I sitting here? And I was just about to light the barbecue. It was like a Sunday afternoon. I was going to light the barbecue. And I got the call that there was water coming. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I went down and I had to empty out. I don't know how many loads of water from the thing. It was weird. We had never had water in this property before or after. But it was that really a few years ago, we got that really, really cold winter where there was um, frost cracks in the ground. It was I in the forget. paper and stuff. And in the middle of the night, it got so cold that the ground would actually shift from frost cracks. And I think that it, it was so cold that it froze underneath. And Is this something and you're just making up on the fly? No, I'm serious. It? Look it up. It was a few years ago. <laughs> we, it was funny because I was just talking about it last night um, with, with my wife. So anyways, and uh, so water came in in this property and we were, I was just sitting there sucking it out. And that's when I did the math. I'm like, how, many, how much do you think? I had hours to do the math, by the way. I'm like, how many hours do you think I've been here? I was figuring out the profit of the property over the years and things like that. Oh my and I, I, I forget the numbers, but I was like, wow. Wow, this is like the most profitable thing. Sitting here with this vacuum right now the most is like the most profitable thing I could be doing. So I'm good with it. So it was, uh, yeah, yeah. I always say that about real estate. It's the most profitable thing you can be doing. The interruptions, though, are not advanced. You don't get advanced notice yeah. on them, so they're always a little painful. You just got to remove the emotions. If you totally. remove the emotions from it, it's really like not a big deal at all. But I mean, but and it's easier said than done. Get so emotional, totally. Both yeah. the investor and anyone living in the property, it's just an emotional thing. Yeah. But as soon as you can do that, I mean, I was I was ticked off at one of our other properties. I was like, you know what? I'm sick of this one. We should just sell it. And you're oh, like, yeah. and you're like, you know what? Let's w- just relax. We'll wait till tomorrow. We'll see where things lie. And I mean, I'm glad we didn't sell the property. Obviously, I'm glad we still have it. But but I it was think I changed thing. my mind. We should have sold that one. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> you would have again another time when you were gone is when those tenants left. This was another student. No, property. I emptied that property as well. No, no, I know what you're gonna say. Which and is a I good also property. put a dump box and emptied that property no, 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 too. No. You've never you never emptied. I know, like I know one, the one though. you did. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. one, this one. I mean, you know what the, it is. The, the junk, I handle a lot of shit too. I just don't record it all in my brain to repeat back to you regularly. The guys, That's the thing. Well, there's I'm just le- doing there's that. less to record. You have to search harder for those two, three stories. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'll never forget though the guys that came to empty that house. They were happy. I think we actually might what have shared was it? this. Students one. left every. Season. They left every. I mean, I couldn't believe how many new pairs of shoes, Leaf jerseys. The whole. It's like they literally decided to, they, the the last day the lease came. Leaf lease came, and they, they just, just walked out of the house and they left everything. The junk removal guys were so. They're like so happy they went through they they was that the one where the guy called us back a couple months later saying no, no that was a different that one. was a yeah, different yeah, one that okay. was the guy in the basement. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I was, I'm still in shock to this day at how much stuff those guys left. I, I think with real estate though, it's just, it, the whole th- experience, you just learn about, yeah. you just, the, when no, you, you're right. But it's not like they were hoarders. It wasn't garbage. It was like good stuff. We it should do one of just all the craziest stories we've seen over the years. Oh man. We'll scare people. No one will ever invest. You know what we no have to do? To we it. have to do a talk about the marketing of properties and stuff because that's what we've learned a lot. That's basically been the key to a lot of stuff. It's not been crunching the numbers. It's how good you are at filling and yeah. marketing and, and finding people for these properties. Okay, cool. We covered a lot of rent to own stuff. Good. Anything else you wanted to share? No, I think I think that I we'll mean there's wrap. so much stuff, but we'll let's yeah, let's wrap it up. That we'll dive into some stuff for, for in, a, in a future one. Cool. 
Hey, it's Tom Karadza. So if you enjoyed that and want more information, you can check out rockstarinnercircle.com. So that website has our blog. It has links to different videos and different resources. A couple of the free books that we offer are linked off that site. A training class that we offer here in our, in our offices is available to register off that site. So a bunch of different resources that hopefully you find useful are available to you there. Um, and if you have a show idea, you want us to cover a topic or have something that you want uh, discussed on the show, the best email address for that would be podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. If you send an email to that, it'll get through to us. And uh, just, you know, thanks for listening. This is new, still new to us, so we're kind of feeling our way out in these podcasts. So uh, the next few weeks, we already have a few show book, shows booked. Uh, next week, there'll be two shows. And we have people already reaching out to us who want to be on the show. So I think we're going to have some pretty exciting guests for you over the next few weeks and months. We're really pumped about all this. Until next time, your life, your terms.